Welcome to Living Holistically with Dane and Indy. Where we empower you with the tools and knowledge of some of our favorite experts to help create your optimal health and lifestyle. We're your hosts, parents to three chickens and a dog in the hills of Melbourne, novice gardeners and health coaches serving other couples. Thank you for being here today. We hope you enjoy this episode. On today's episode, we have Truth Corkins back on the show. For those of you who aren't familiar with Truth, you may want to go back to Season 1, Episode 1 to hear his backstory as we jump straight into the crux of today's conversation about different diets and philosophies on nutrition, which we are sure you will gain some new insights on. We've been having a lot of conversations um, about, I guess, vegetarianism and veganism as well, especially around surrounding women. Um, who may be in need of, um, I guess, more nutrients and vitamins, especially, you know, around preparing to conceive or, you know, recovering as well from that, um, from having babies. So that's, yeah, also another interesting one. Yeah. And you have to think, why are we attempting to be vegetarian? You know, there, there are different reasons. I mean, if you're brought up and committed into, let's say, a, a Hare Krishna church, where you you know, where where where, where Krishna is the whole the holy name, and this is like thousands of years. The Vedas, the oldest printed text we have on the planet, and you know this is like the most reverent spiritual teaching that is the oldest that we have on earth. And there are things you just are not allowed. You do and you don't do, and you cannot offer animal flesh foods to Krishna. But you can be a lacto-vegetarian because Krishna was lord of the cow and lord of the land and lord of the mind and lord of the Brahmas, the spiritual teachers. So ghee is a sacred substance. And you can you can have, you know, you can have cheese, you know, and ghee, A2 or grass-fed organic cheese. And, and you, but you, you can't have any dead animals. And, and then, like, this is such a strict thing for these people that – even if you're going to shorten your life and weaken your offspring and shorten their children and your grandchildren's life because of nutritional deficiency, because you, you have to be a vegetarian, it doesn't matter because your life is about service and devotion to Krishna, to God. You know, that's, that's bhakti, bhakti yoga. And so you'll die or shorten your life for it. You don't care. It's like you give up your own self. But if you're looking at this as an atheist or as an immortalist or as a multidimensional being that wants to become an ascended master, you know, you have to be able to live at least 200 years in one lifetime without being crippled and retarded with a disease in bed with dementia. Because you cannot do transcendental meditation when you've got dementia in bed and you're on an IV full of drugs and, and sure and crap. You know, good luck. You're not going to grow. So you need to live long enough and maintain enough health. And make enough money to support the roof over your head and the food on your plate, the basic things for survival. So you don't have to go down in the lower chakras and freak out and fear over money and bills and you know what I mean. And you gotta conquer your loins and all the other basic primal addictions that the animal body has, you know, addiction to food, drugs, porno, TV, movies, video games, act whatever crap the industries can pump into you before your prefrontal lobes are done growing, you're running off the amygdala like a poor little baby. You're so innocent and vulnerable at that young age, and that's when they get you, you know. So you gotta work through all that crap and then make enough money to survive, and then you gotta master your physical health. Because if your body dies halfway through your attempt to ascend or to become a master and at least get to the point where you can live hundreds of years without aging. If your body dies of age and disease halfway through that, 
well, then, you know, you have to try and hope you remember and pick up the same path in the next lifetime and start all over in a new body. But all the neural net knowledge you've learned is in the dirt, dust to dust, ashes to ashes. You got born to the new neural net. You got to learn to walk, talk, learn, get through religion, get through addiction, get through the matrix, and then figure out what's the meaning of life. Okay, it's to become God, it's to ascend, to become a master, not a victim. You know, because so then you got all that work to do again. So if, if you bypass some of the dogma rules and say, I'm not going to be a lacto vegetarian, although I love and respect Krishna, um, I'm going to make a hybrid diet and detox and and nourish my body in a very special way that I know I can strike a level of biological functioning like a, like a car that will never age. Like every part is replaced before it even starts to wear out. Okay, now you can have a body that can live for 200 years. Now you have enough time to do the spiritual disciplines and the work involved and the spiritual growth and the learning to, to get to the level where you can activate uh, gifts that they, uh, the spiritual gifts that come when you get to this level of consciousness. Like the yogis, they can sit in their underwear on top of a mountain and melt ice. They can stop, slow their heartbeat to nothing with their mind. They can use kinesis and they can bend things with their mind. They can manifest all the money or the, the material objects they need through dematerialization, rematerialization through consciousness. They can biolocate. They can travel by thought. They, they can heal their bodies with their mind through through quantum focus, through transcendental meditation, you know, all these things, you get to that level and now life really starts getting exciting. Because once you've been and seen the matrix, been to the show, been to Disneyland, you, then you've experienced sex, you've experienced materialism, you've experienced making lots of ton of money, you've experienced fame, and you've experienced, you know, the, what's left if you stay in the third dimension? It gets real boring real quick. So that's why people have to live in their past. And most adults are grown-up children with drug addict brains. They have to remain attached to these things that are pumping their 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 dopamine, pumping something to get a purpose. And that's kind of like a hamster in a wheel going in circles, or a rabbit that keeps humping itself and it doesn't know why it's doing it. It's just the peptides lie. I got a hump. I got a hump. And until until it dies, it never questions why am I humping? What is the purpose? Is there something beyond humping? <laughs> in our space and in Australia here, it's a very big vegans getting huge. And a lot of people are nutrient, nutrient deficient because of that and so many other factors. So it'd be great to be able to touch base on just They're really that pushing world. the lab made meat now, aren't they? And like all the yeah. alternatives, which is scary that like people think that that's a better way to feed, you know, feed people rather than regenerative meat. Use soil as an example or an analogy, what you should do with food with animals. Okay, and and uh, and you know Monsanto, the dark force off planetary beings. They, you know they they wanted to say, oh no, we have too much population, too many people, so we got to make GMOs. We got to hack nature and make all this synthetic crap, and it's going to be a good thing. And it turned out to not be a good thing. And and you want to listen to someone who knows how to explain it, why it's not a good thing. Listen to Vandana Shiva. Okay, if you haven't heard of her, look her up on YouTube and watch some of her videos. She's an Indian woman who has a degree in quantum physics. She's brilliant, and, and 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 she doesn't she doesn't take she doesn't take bullshit. I mean, she tells the truth. She spells it out, and and she talks about bio. She talks about biodiversity, and uh, it's the same thing with the food we grow with the animals. It's, and if you know how to do it right naturally, we can make enough for everyone on the planet. So we don't we don't we don't need Franken food or synthetic, you know, meat and yeah. You know. I think people I think people trying different diets though is really good in the beginning because 
we're, we're kind of like dietary invalids because we're born up so young and our parents, most of us, buy their foods in a box, you know. And so we don't know what real food is. How can we have, you know, and then when we get a little bit older and we give birth to desires, we want to improve our physical body. We think, well, maybe food has something to do with it. I should stop eating that food in a box and I should learn a diet, some kind of thing that has some emphasis on improving my physical health. So that's a great, that's a good move. Okay. And of course you got to pick one. It's like picking a religion when you first think, gee, you know, I should, I should, I should, I should have some sort of spiritual practice, but I don't know anything about God or spirituality. So I need to choose a church or a religion, you know, so you got to, well, I'll pick this one. It's like shopping for a car. You look at the pros and cons or whoever influences you. And based on how ignorant or whatever image influence you have, you're going to pick one, but, but, but you don't, you're just in your beginning days. You're like a child on training wheels. You know, you got to practice, study one religion and then give it up and then go study another and give it up, study another, give it up, study another, give it up, study another, give it up, and then go into the infant isness of the now. Just sit in nature and be one with yourself, have no religion and stop time and become one with God. And then you'll have the true spiritual experience. And you'll see what all those masters that created all those other religions are really talking about. Now I get it. It's just, it's just background uh, technical sort of underlayer work to go study all these different religions. And so it's, I think it's good in the beginning when you're leaving the matrix, as far as the food industry is, that you try a real dedicated effort in a different, and, and pick a diet and do it is the best natural one you think there is and learn about it. And after you've done it long enough, you'll realize it's got some holes, some weak points, and you'll realize it's got some strengths, some strong points. And now you experience that, you know it, that's your truth. So when you're ready, you'll know when you've had your fill and it's time I want more. I got to expand beyond the dogma and the rules of this one particular diet. So you give it up, you leave it, you become the expatriate, you know, you move on and you choose the next one. And it's exciting, something new, a whole new philosophy. You read all the books and you put all these new things in your body. Whoa, I experienced all this stuff. And then you get used to that and you find out this diet has holes, but it has strengths too. So I'm going to keep the strengths from the first two diets. I'm going to go on to the third. That's what I ended up doing. Each time I was a little innocent and ignorant and hopeful and overly idealistic. And I thought, okay, this is it. I picked this diet. I'm going to do this one for the rest of my life. It's perfect. Like I'll live the longest. I'll have the best health. I'll be the most spiritual. Like it's, you know, I'll have the most spiritual karma because I'm not going to kill an animal or whatever. And, and, And you find out that, you know what, I have to, I have to eat my words again after so many years trying that diet, you know. That's why some people say, that's why, you know, Ramtha says, you know, is a diet good for you? Because you give away so much of your power and you believe in that set of rules, you know. But, but if, 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 if you're a true nutritional um, adventurer, archaeologist, explorer, then for your own personal research purposes, it's extremely valuable if you have the time and the patience to go through that dogmatism of devoting your life for a couple of years to one diet and then abandoning it and devoting your life to another diet for a couple of years and then abandon it and then devote your life to the next one. And when you come out, as you get a little wiser, you'll realize, okay, I've learned a lot about a lot of different diets. They each have different strengths. You know, if I was going to be a linesman, a football player, or a rugby player, I think I'd pick that one. You know, if I was going to be this sort of person in this line of work, had these goals for my life, I'd pick that diet. You know, so you have to sit back and go, hmm, what are my goals? Me, Truth Calkins, and specifically, you know, what's my desi- my goals for longevity? What's my goals for how I, my weight of my physical body, my flexibility, my mental function, you know, my uh, other other faculties, reproductive functions, um, 
what I, you know, because you have to pay off in one area to gain in another, you know. And I've, I've, I've gotten creative and I've had fun at being an alchemist to uh, try and blend the strengths that I've found from the various diets I've done that will merge in a way to give me the greatest longevity. That means I have to keep my colon clean, my organs soft. I do qigong. I dig my fingers in my organs every day. I know if I eat meat every day, I know when they get hard. I know when they get congested. I feel great. I don't know that it's happening. You have to examine your organs to know that, you know, and figure that out by accident. And I'm like, okay, well, gee, that's not going to work for longevity if you eat too much of this food. But I can't fast to the point with calorie restriction, trying to live as long as possible, oh, that I'm going to fall over and faint on every word I say because I want to function now. I need to function and have strength now every day. So I want the balance of dynamic energy where I can hit the sweet spot in my book to achieve all the goals the truth has. And I'm very, I'm very happy, very pleased, very blessed, and very grateful. I sacrificed a lot, you know. I haven't had a family and 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 or gone off and built a business and had to become a CEO and sold a business and made a bunch of money. I've been an entrepreneur. I haven't, I haven't done any of those things because I've been so busy in the trenches in the world of like my own adventure of learning health stuff. The last twenty years, it's been full total commitment, you know. Um, but. If I said to myself, truth, you're going to have to sacrifice 20 years of normal living and all the things you might do, relationships, blah, 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 in order to master just one thing, and that's diet, nutrition, how to take care of yourself, what to put inside your mouth, how to live, how to eat, in order to be the most successful at what you want. Because if you have self-love, if you have natural self-esteem, if you want to live, you love this body that God and your parents gave you. You don't want the beautiful genetics to fall apart in age. You want it to have energy and vitality. You want to be able to live a long time. Plus, I kept changing my mind as you get a little older. You think, oh, this is what I want to do with my life. And then you learn, ah, that's not really that good. This is what I want to do with my life. You know, that's called wisdom and growth and knowledge. So it starts getting really good as you get older. You know, I'm 51 years old now, and I'm starting to realize I'm really kind of think I know what I'm going to do now for a, for a while, for several decades in my life, or maybe what's the most important thing. But I thought I was... You know, it's hard to tell a teenager what to do, right? When they're 16 years old, they're so full of jang that they like, they, they, you can't tell them. They got to go out and do what they think they got to do. They think they know it all, you know? And, and I, I felt strongly like that when I was a teenager and then in my mid twenties. And then when I was 30 in my mid thirties and I was 40 in my mid forties, you know, and I'm, again, I eat my words you know, I realize that I'm cha- you're changing and you're learning. So you need a program that's going to last so you can really start to come into yourself. And then get really clear and focused on what you're doing. Not living for someone else's dream. Not creating someone else's reality. You're not letting them program you. You found out who you are. You know what you want. You're, like Bruce Lee said, be your authentic self. Be like water. You know? <laughs> and, <laughs> you know, and most people can't get to that authentic self. You know? I had a little bit of a head start because of the hippie upgrowing with the farm and a little less less brainwashed by the matrix in those early years from age zero to five when you're the most professional. I was, you know, so I, I got to figure out a link, but I still, you know, I had to go out and try to conquer myself in the matrix by those values. You know, so you learn what you want and where you want to go. You maximize all these different diets. You can take it apart and you build your own diet. That's why it's complex. I can talk for six hours doing a consult on diet and nutrition. I just one earlier today. That's why I'm warmed up. I have all the notes. Okay. For a, for a woman in her mid-30s, has a family, a couple of children. She's really interested in nutrition. She wants to do the right thing. She's a little bit overweight. She watches her labs, her blood tests. Her cholesterol is a little high. 
and her blood sugar is not good. And this is what worries her. What do I do? And I analyze her diet. She's eating cooked meat and other heavy, hard to digest foods like handfuls of walnuts, dates, you know, four, four or five times a week. And, and I'm telling her, you know what? It's too much. So I'm moving her towards the JFD, the Jing food diet, what I'm doing. Okay. Which is where I am maybe 80% uh, plant food like salads, but they're ketogenic, they're non-GMO, there's no oxalic acids in, in the foods I'm choosing. And maybe 20% of that 80% plant food could be steamed, like steamed broccoli. She wants to start off with a little more warming foods. Um, we eat a cooked animal protein once every two to four weeks. That's it. We go that long, 13 meals. But we don't go vegetarian. We don't stop animal protein altogether. That's not smart either. Okay. But when you can go two, two weeks at a time without a piece of cooked animal protein, and, and now your organs get soft, your colon gets clean, your blood gets clean, your cholesterol go down, and now you can really live for longevity. But if you're a blood type O and you're used to yeah. stimulatory That's foods me. like meat, young foods, you're yeah. hard, you got a family to take care of, how, yeah. how, are you, how are you gonna have enough strength only eating, only eating cooked mm. animal protein once every two weeks or yeah. three, four weeks? Mm. How are you gonna have enough strength? So these are the caveats, the things I add in, I've learned. I On found as well. When I went off meat for several weeks, like I, I dropped too much weight, which was really interesting. Um, like I'd never had before, like I got underweight very, very quickly, which was interesting. And then I only found out later that, you know, I was a blood typo and yeah, mm. it was summer as well. So it was, you know, supernatural yeah. time. It also, also mm. de depends on your decade. You're a little bit younger, Indy, than this woman. So you're closer to an anabolic time period of your early 20s still and that means you, you don't reduce meat that much when you get to your late 30s you can but even in your late 30s if you exercise a lot that's too much reduction of animal protein you still need to eat animal protein probably two times a week in your late 30s if you exercise okay you get you get to your late 40s early 50s like where i'm at now you can go cut the animal protein down to once a month once every two weeks but i've got to add i've got to add in gobs of dulse fresh in my mouth with pump styrofoam gold pumpkin oil chew it up for a mineral wash it's like protein i gotta put four ounces of grass-fed organic uh soft goat cheese like like chevry I, I also in my program i adhere to a low calcium diet calcium is a big part of aging plus i do high dose vitamin d therapy so you can't do much calcium when you're on high dose vitamin d so um because you can increase uh Cal, cal, uh, high, high blood calcium problems and stuff. Uh, so, and you got to take vitamin K2 at higher high doses as well to ma manage that. So even if I wasn't on vitamin D, let alone high dose vitamin D therapy, I would still adhere to a low calcium diet. So hard cheeses are out. And first off, we, we got to go one up, one step up before that. If we're going to include dairy, first off, it can't have lactose, so it can't have sugar. So we don't do milk unless you get raw milk and you ferment it for seven days in a metal swing top lid bottle and make what's called kefir champagne. And when you pop the lid, it shoots out of the bottle and there's no lactose because normal milk kefir you buy in a store is 10 grams of lactose milk sugar per cup. It's too much sugar. You can't feed ketosis. You're going to feed infections and increase inflammation. So we cut out all the dairy that has any form of sugar. Next, we go to A2 dairy only, the ancient old dairy, like the gear, your organic, the, 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 the cow that Krishna loved, the, the old ancient cows. We don't use any A1 beta casein because it's a carcinogen. It's toxic, and if you if you have a great immune system, you might not feel A2. I mean, sorry, you might not feel A1 dairy products, be it whey or colostrum or cheese. You might not feel it harming you yet if you're really healthy, but eventually it gets you. So I do A2 only when it comes to dairy, and then so then I'm then I'm left with butter, 
cheese or eggs, you know, for dairy. Uh, with, 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 with the cheese, it's an excellent condiment to add an A2 grass-fed organic unsalted raw cheese cut up on top of my salad, along with my dulse and along with my styrofoam pumpkin oil and some grated ginger. And now I've got enough protein and fats and stuff to fill out my fiber, my vegetables, and, uh, but I still get a lot of enzymes. And I, for me, I don't I hardly do any cooked vegetables really because I can just feel the performance difference. If I go for a month straight, 100% raw plant food, and I, I, and I supplement a few key animal foods to keep me strong enough as a blood type O to do that, uh, the amount of enzymes I get from eating that many salads, it's like I'm taking seropeptase and protease. I can feel systemic enzyme therapy. I can feel my scar tissue and my knee injury going down. I can feel flexibility. And enzymes are the key. Once you're past age 28 and you don't produce systemic enzymes anymore, enzymes are the key to life in mitigating all-cause mortality for the reasons for aging, which is why I also – once every one to four weeks, I do high doses of rectal implants of seropeptase and protease enzymes and fleet enema bottles. And it's, it's amazing. Really, really powerful. Um, but eating raw gives you some of that. Um, so with the diet I'm doing, lots of raw plant food salads that have no oxalates, low calcium diet. How do you go with um, things like, sorry to interrupt again, things like broccoli? You know, they're generally um, known to be better... Um, steamed? Yeah, better steamed or something. I have an an American waterless cookware seven layer alloy pot that is it's it's uh you just put less water in than you normally would to steam broccoli put the broccoli in turn it on and it cooks at the lowest heat with no loss of nutrients through the steam or the water and uh, the raw foodists say that uh, if you cook your veg steam your veggies in a waterless cooker. It's the closest thing to raw food because it preserves the most nutrients. It, they were originally invented by Italian chefs because when you steam, let's say different colored vegetables, you know, like cauliflower. Well, cauliflower is white, but let's say carrots and, and broccoli and, and uh, yellow squash. Okay, we have three different colors. If you steam that with water all the way till it's soft enough to be really a comfort food um, in a regular pot, you're going to lose a lot of color. The vegetables are going to taste bland. They're kind of flat. They're neutral. But you lost a lot of nutrients from cooking it. If you cook it in a waterless cookware pot, even if you overcook it so the broccoli is not that crisp, it's like cooked to the point where it's really soft. You can stick your fork in the hard part and it's just super soft. The color of the broccoli when you lift the lid, it's still the same color. It's still green. The carrots are still orange. The yellow squash is still yellow. You put it in your mouth and you taste it. All the flavor is still there. The Italian chefs designed these, these types of pots to retain flavor for their food, for their cooking because they're so good about that kind of stuff. But we, we learned later. Bernard Jensen, Norman Walker, the old school, you know, American nutritionist kind of guys in the 60s, 70s, they adopted waterless cookware into the health world. Say, this is the best way to cook your food or steam your vegetables because it's the closest thing to raw. It preserves the most amount of nutrition possible. And when you cook, if you, if you do grains, like I used to cook quinoa on the body culture diet, I'd soak it for eight hours first. You cook it in the waterless cookware pot. You have to cook it on, you can, then you can cook it lower heat, less time, and it fluffs up more. And you taste better, and you preserve the water-soluble B vitamins. That's key for a vegetarian who's living on, on a high quality. So just a little tip. So I do eat broccoli once in a while. I'll eat a big, like a, a liter and a half of steamed organic broccoli in my waterless cookware pot. And I steam it only halfway, so it's still a little bit firm. And then I put my goodies on top of it, you know, my dulse or my, my goat cheese. All goat cheese, by the way, is A2 only. There is no such thing as A1 goat cheese, which is great. I have a little affinity to goats. I was raised raised on goats. This episode is brought to you by Barclay Eyewear. 
the only blue blockers created by a health professional and that will protect you from day to night from the harmful spectrums of artificial light. If you haven't heard what all the fuss is about, make sure you check out Season 1, Episode 6, where Dane and I delve into all things light and circadian rhythms to understand why these are a game changer for your health. And to say thank you for your support, we've got an exclusive discount of 15% off if you use the code HOLISTIC15. That's H-O-L-I-S-T-I-C-1-5. Just head to barkleyeyewear.com. That's B-A-R-K-L-E-Y-E-Y-E-W-E-A-R.com. Also, the raw milk that we have here isn't advertised as A2, so I don't know um, how people yeah, would figure that out. Yeah, you have to do a out. research. Yeah, yeah. Cause if it's not advertised, it's generally going to be 50% A1 mm. and 50% and A2. And then the problem and we have as well is that the A2 milk that's available in supermarkets here isn't organic. So you kind of, you know, and obviously isn't raw. So Yeah, you got to know a farmer who's got, you know, you got to become friends with a guy who's got his own cow. That's it. But, but to, to get, but to finish my meal recipes, you know, I have these raw salads as a large part once in a while, some steamed broccoli. And then it's what I, and then young Thai coconut meat. That was the real kicker. When I did do about three years, a three year stint body ecology diet as a vegetarian, no animal protein. I just thought, I thought it might be better. I didn't know what I was doing was a long time ago. Um, I was getting really weak. I kept trying these like mixtures of something to pick me up and give me some strength. I was still going through some Herxheimer die-off from Candida a bit. But, but when I went for a prolonged period of time without animal protein, every time I tried it when I was younger, in my 20s, and my 30s, uh, I, fa- I failed miserably after so many months. I just got weak. I couldn't function in the world. I was no use to anybody. I was, I was mixing almond butter with chlorella and like anything – pouring pouring flax oil in it and i didn't care how it tastes i'm like maybe if i eat this it'll make me feel like hey feel when i eat meat it'll give me strength it'll ground me it'll wake me up but no it wouldn't work it wouldn't work but when when in 2002 when donna gates came out with the addendum to the body culture diet where you can go down to an asian import warehouse in downtown buy young thai coconuts in bulk chop them open with a machete or, or a japanese pole saw she recommended back then and take the water and ferment it with my kefir grains, the body college kefir starter grains, and then scoop out the spoon meat, the young Thai coconut meat, and blend that up with no water so it's thick and add some already fermented coconut water kefir to it to culture it. Only fill it half full because those things rise and you open the top and it will shoot all over the ceiling. So powerful. But uh, So I started making the fermented coconut water kefir and the coconut kefir cheese yogurt from body ecology back then. And Sometimes I was just from Candida. I was too tired to make the cheese. So I just made the kefir and I had, I had like tons of coconut shells left over with all the meat. I'm like, what am I going to do with this? Throw it away? Well, I am hungry. I'm weak. I'm on this vegetarian diet here. Let me just try eating some of it because I don't want to waste the food. And I sat down and I ate a couple of coconuts just by sitting there holding it in my hand and spooning the spoon into the meat and spooning it out and sticking it straight in my mouth, eating a whole, chewing it up. Some of them are thick. Some of them are thin. you know. And I noticed after a couple of coconuts, I started waking up. I started like feeling grounded, stronger in my body. I started feeling alive, like, whoa, what's going on? I feel good. I feel, let me eat some more. I ate like nine, 12 coconuts in a row. And, and I finally felt satiated for the first time as a vegetarian, as a blood type O at age 32. And, and, and that became a staple for me. I thought, wow, I can go way longer and feel good as a vegetarian if I eat a lot of good quality, young, fresh coconut meat. There's something about it as a protein fat and as a ketogenic agent. The, the fats in that coconut meat are 60% medium chain triglycerides, which turn into ketones. 
Um, Can I ask, um, do you know if the ones that are frozen, like organic frozen ones, are any good? Yes and no. So it's a big part. For me to go that long without meat, I eat a lot of young type. I eat it whole, thawed out fresh from the freezer. I'll eat it straight from the coconut. I will blend it plain and drink it, eat it or thick, or I'll make add stuff to it to make a smoothie. Or, you know, uh, finally, GT Dave, his mother had breast cancer in like 2005. He learned kombucha culture came from, well, I mean, almost died in the war, kombucha, because it didn't have tea and sugar. But uh, a few wealthy people who could afford tea and sugar during World War II, they kept kombucha cultures alive, and it makes a baby when you pass it on. And, and then in the early 80s, I think it got popular among some wealthy Japanese families. It was trendy. It was cool. They were bringing a research to kombucha. And then in about 1983, 84, when HIV was blowing up in Southern California, um, someone from Japan brought over the kombucha and started giving it to AIDS patients and they were getting better. And then it blew up as a health supplement in America in 1995. GT Dave gave it to his mom and it helped her overcome breast cancer. And then he just started a company. Now GT's kombucha is huge, you know, national distribution distribution in america at least and and i think the guy i think the guy's awesome because he didn't just stop at kombucha after making a ton of money he went to the next body ecology fermented foods he started making coconut water kefir and coconut kefir cheese yogurt blending the meat so now in all the health food stores in the last year we got what we got what's called coco yo by gt it comes in vanilla and comes in plain and then it comes in chocolate and raspberry no sugar high probiotics in fact i've seen regular shoppers they buy this yogurt. They think it's like Danon or Yoplait or some other kind of healthy yogurt. They go home to eat it. It's so strong. It's so sour, the lactobacillus. There's nothing else in it, probiotics and blended coconut meat. And so they, they bring it back to the store and think it's gone off or it's bad or something because it's too ripe. It's too potent. It's too powerful. They're used to matri- matrix, civilized processed Western death food yogurt. But uh, so now it's great because I sometimes, I'll eat anywhere from one to four cocoa yos in a day. They're five bucks each. I just pound them. I put turmeric powder in the plane with, with Andreas flax oil. The Andreas flax oil is, is like low temperature custom press put in my glass. You never have to refrigerate it. If you've never tasted that oil, it's like, oh my God. So I pour that. The cocoa yos, the coconut meat, the soft, low calcium, A2 goat cheese, massive amounts of dulse. Um, these things allow me to live on salads with no cooked animal protein for two to four weeks at a time. And and that, and still be strong and function and exercise and work and be busy and go all day. And, but the cleanliness of that diet is really good because when I do my kidney qigong and I take my hook and my prodder and I dig into my kidney and I count to 150 and I do the other side and I go back, I do 150, this jinx him that you start to burp. And when I do, I can feel, I can put my fingers all the way under my lower rib between my, my, my pelvis and my rib and I can go deep into the kidneys deep into the kidneys. And when I broke that diet, I started eating cooked animal protein every single day. As a blood type O, I just feel stronger. I kind of feel buffer. I feel maybe a little tighter, maybe a little bit higher blood pressure, maybe a little less flexibility, but still fine. Just strong as heck. Yeah. I'm like, okay, I feel great. Well, I'm so busy. Let me just keep eating this way because I need strength, right? I'm, I'm, I want to accomplish a lot, but I don't, I don't know what I'm accumulating in my body, which I'm going to regret one day later. Okay. No, I don't realize that until I go back to my kidney qigong. I stick my fingers in my organs and I go, holy cow, they're all hard. My kidneys are dense like a rock. Like, that's not good. I'm not going to live 
you know, and the colon's getting backed up. So immediately I'm like, okay, I got to strip it down, clean out, lighten up the diet, cut back on the cooked animal proteins, get rid of all the dry nuts because they just ball up and clog your colon. And then, but if you go too far on just salads, you're going to get too alkaline, too expansive, all airy-fairy weak, lose bone density. Too much cholesterol will go too low. Hormones will drop. And now you're going to die of malnutrition. You won't live as long. So it's a balance. But I know you have to prevent disease. If I want to live 250 years like Professor Li Chiang is one of my goals, I have to keep the colon and the organs clean. I have to keep my body chemistry, oxygen up, cell membrane fluidity, hydration deep in the cells. That's why I pound a couple, you know, three liters of hexagonal fresh vortex structured water quickly in the morning. Get that hydration. When you're on high-dose vitamin D therapy, you have to drink a lot of water anyway, and you have to keep the calcium low, and you got to get a little B2. And uh, so I've merged all these things into my program that balances me for, for my goals. may not be the ideal thing for everybody else, but I'm, I, I do have other clients doing it that find the balance that they like and they need, and it works. And then you get the best of both worlds, all worlds. And then you can live long and not be disease, but you don't have to live like a monk who's meditating eight hours a day doing calorie restriction like the monkeys, and he's about to fall over in the attempt to live 200 years you know you could still you could still fail not even live much past 120 doing that and and then you spent all these decades kind of living uh, a limited life you could say in some ways as far as what you can accomplish physically um in that existence but what if we can give you enough nutrition enough food that can make you strong enough to be functioning at a high level that you can compete in the matrix or you can compete as an athlete but yet you can have the cleanliness of your organs, your body chemistry, your hygiene, your inflammation, your infection load, your heavy metals so low that you can live 200 years. Yeah, starting as young as we all are. Absolutely. Yeah, there were so many things that popped into my head while you were talking. If you don't mind, I just wanted to ask you a couple. Um, I read on one of the programs that you made, you talked about the colon and rice and gluten. And this was really stood out to me because um, we've worked with a couple of people that are uh, celiacs and, you know, rice, as far as I know, is generally considered gluten-free and like a staple in a lot of diets for those people. This is white rice. So, white rice yeah. and brown rice, yeah. Well, it's, 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 it's much lower in gluten than wheat um, or barley or rye, you know, the, the real triggers for someone with celiac. I've had my celiac from birth. Um, so I'm pretty strict about these things. I, I don't even eat natto, although I love the MK7, the vitamin K, and the natto kinase enzyme. But I, I take natto K instead separate with my systemic enzyme. That's this product here. It has no fillers in it. But um, so I don't even eat natto, and uh, I don't eat rice. And I've tried it. I've gone strict on the body culture diet for a number of years, doing the, 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 the four culture diet grains, which are 100% gluten-free. That's quinoa, millet, amaranth, buckwheat. You have to soak each one for eight hours in water to remove the phytic acids. Phytic acids are a big deal. Uh, they cause dwarfism in Africa where these poor little black children, they can't grow because they live on high phytate greens, their entire upbringing for nutrition. And, and phytate blocks zinc absorption. And they're so zinc deficient. You need zinc to grow. To grow. Okay. So anyway, I had gone a few years on quinoa, millet, buckwheat, or amaranth, very small portions on the body college diet. Only 20% of your plate can be a soaked, sprouted, cooked body college diet grain. Of course, I cooked it in my waterless cookware pot. The other 80% of the plate are sea vegetables, 
land vegetables, culture vegetables like sauerkraut and maybe some steamed vegetables. And then you put seaweed on top of everything and you use the good oils like coconut oil and good salts and, and some, maybe some good spices, fenugreek, uh, uh, turmeric, um, ginger, things that are going to help with your body ecology healing. And that's the, where the diet was at in those days. And then I, after two years of that, in a pinch at the health food store, I buy some brown rice that's already cooked. You know, uh, and when I eat that brown rice, it's like chewing on Wonder Bread for me. It's like dough. It's squishy. It's like spongy. It's sticky in my mouth. I can feel the gluten. Okay. I go to eat at my colon, but I tell myself, well, truth, this is whole grain. This is brown rice. It has the whole. It has the fiber. It's still nutritious. It has B vitamins. So eat it. You know, you're in a pinch. You didn't prepare your food one day or whatever. I eat it, and then I'm used to my bowel movements. I know what they're like when I'm following the body culture diet exactly. I measure my food, 80-20 acid alkaline. I have my cultured vegetables to each meal. I drink four ounces of coconut water kefir after each meal to aid digestion. Um, you, you eat till you're only 80% full. You never eat till you're full, so you allow more room to digest. You go to bed on empty stomach, okay? And when you do that on a regular basis, every day at the same time, your system gets really smooth. It's a beautiful thing. It's like a living meditation, your program and your routine. You're very in touch with your body, okay? And suddenly you add in something new, like brown rice, okay? It doesn't sound evil, really, does it, brown rice? But it is gluey as all hell. It is so sticky. It clogs up your colon, slows down. I have to push to go to the bathroom. The slow snake comes out, sticking to my colon wall. It's like, it's hard. It's like, that's brown rice, that's brown rice. I eat too much brown rice. Oh, my God. I need a colonic. It's coconut water kefir. Give me some quinoa, some sauerkraut, some salad. You know, it's it's too sticky. It's too gluey. White rice is terrible. It's awful. And, you know, and, and I only want a grain that will sprout. It means it has the germ of life inside. You know, like those almonds, if they don't float when I soak them for eight hours to the top of the water so that they're coming to life, then, you know, it's it's dead. It's got no jank. You know, and the germ is powerful in the hull that's all around that grain to protect it. They took Kamut, ancient grains, out of the Tibetan pharaoh's pyramid, okay, 5,000 years old, and they soaked it and sprouted it and it came to life. Okay, that's how. But those phytic acids are designed like a tank, and they're, they're not supposed to trigger to come on until it rains. It's in the ground now. It can grow. Okay, so those acids it puts around it to block it are really bad for your stomach. That's why I always soak the grain I'm going to eat for eight hours before I cook it. So I bought someone else's cooked brown rice. It wasn't soaked and sprouted. It wasn't washed to remove the phytates, phytic acid. It wasn't cooked in a waterless cookware pot. But the worst thing is it's brown rice. It's still high in gluten. You know, I, I know some people want to make pasta. You know, pasta is a food that people like around the world. The Italians contributed this. And they're trying to be healthy, though. So they, they want a, a gluten-free pasta. So they get brown rice pasta. You know, you're not improving much. It's a ton of carbs. And it still has gluten in it and it's sticky. You need to up it one and go to shirataki noodles. Okay, now you got no carbs, no gluten. Okay, it's 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 light, it's keto. And then you just make the sauce nice because what you put on it makes it. But, so I don't do brown rice. I think of brown rice as a gluten grain. It's not nearly as high in gluten as regular high gluten grains like wheat and barley and, and rye, of course. It's better. But when... Most people's colons are clogged with fecal plaque, mucoid plaque, parasites, undigested rotten foul food from, from a meal they had 10 years ago still. I mean, but the colon is such a strong, silent, hardworking organ that you carry all that to the grave and you never have to look at the, un, the, the unattractive picture. Not unless you get uh, Dr. Bernard Jensen's book, A Guide to Better Bowel Care Health, and you open up those pages where you can see what's inside people when they do the cleanse. And it's that stuff, Okay. It's like, it's like these nasty black things. I mean, this is, this is hardcore. Okay. 
guys, the listeners can't see that picture. Good thing, but I've, I've had clients on their on their second Ajuba cleanse one year into my program, and they're fasting the last week, phase four of the cleanse, and doing the herbs four times a day, and it's, they're ripping through you. And they sit on the toilet and they think they're going to eliminate something, and whoosh, thirty feet of black mucoid rope, like what I just showed you. That rope is so tough. You could take a ceramic knife, brand new, and try to cut through that rope. It won't cut through it. It's tough. It is like, it's, yeah, it's it's serious cable. And then his, his, this man was, you know, like six foot, five, five foot seven, five foot six, uh, slim body, but had a beer belly for a long The beer belly went flat once he dropped that 30 feet of black mucoid rope into the toilet, just like that. He just, he'd been loosening it up for a year, loosening it up for a year. So, most people, what I'm trying to say, are semi-clogged their entire life. They've never been clean once and learned to eat a diet that can maintain that cleanliness to keep it stable. They've never done that, so they don't have anything to compare it to. They don't know what it feels like, how good it feels. If they knew how good it feels to be that clean, and then they eat a big plate, a macrobiotic meal is opposite in the ratios to a body ecology diet meal because it's 80% brown rice, carbs, sticky, gluey, thick carbs and then 20% vegetables on top okay and they're going to use oils that are bleached deodorized refined a little bit not not really boutique high quality oils like i use but so if your colon's not clean you don't know the difference you eat brown rice you think it's fine you know because you're clogged anyway and you're going to die clogged probably you never learn how to do this it's, it's not that you're a bad person it doesn't have anything to do with the level of your spirit because we you know you're an immortal soul and god loves you and all beings love you but your body is an animal, and it's based on the laws of nature, and it's only got so much room that you, know, that you can put in that colon. And if you keep stuffing stuff down that mouth, you're addicted to eating three square meals a day with brown rice and whole wheat bread. I eat whole wheat bread. You know, like that's a big improvement. <laughs> you know, it's, it's a, you know, the brown rice, when I ate the brown rice, I could feel it. it. It sticks up. It clogs you. I regretted that meal very much. I had to go right back to my diet, and it ticked me off for a couple of days because it threw off my sublime, perfect balance that I had worked for years to obtain. So I'm not going to eat that brown rice again. It's not efficient. It doesn't make sense to me. It has to be soaked sprout quinoa, small serving, or buckwheat, or millet, or amaranth. You know. Um, and in terms of nutrients-wise as well, sorry to interrupt. Um, nutrients-wise, like how it compares also to something like quinoa, like it doesn't really, you know hold a flame to it like it's not yeah very. brown rice is more nutritious than white rice that's for sure it has more fiber but it's not that nutritious but it's a cheap food and india is a very big and a very old and an amazing country and the rice patties in china and 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 and, and just different trains of rice there is basmati rice there's wild rice my mom used to make wild rice sometimes when i was a kid those really long black grains mixed with some basmati you know for texture and that's a little tougher you know, if you've ever had black quinoa or black rice, it's a little different. It's a little tougher. It's not as cheap and sticky as the common brown rice, you know, that, that people buy. Um, but the but when you go to a BED grain, a body ecology diet grain, a seed-like grain that is higher in protein, you know, Donna talks that these grains are not – they're actually lower in carbohydrates than your typical grains, and they're higher in protein. And quinoa is the most nutritious. It's a Peruvian grain. It's a newer ancient grain that we discovered. It is less hybridized and crossbred. So it's got more ancient genetic code, like, like maybe the old wheat. It was better. It had better gluten in it, they say. You know, but uh, So when you eat quinoa, it is definitely the most nutritious grain there is in the world. As far as the amino acid profile, the vitamins, the minerals, the nutrition. Um, 
So uh, millet is the cheapest of the gluten-free grains. It's the dirtiest and it's the scummiest. You have to wash it multiple times. I also find some Americans are addicted to uh, a, a bowl of goulash, something that's like cream of wheat, uh, a cereal that's hot and blended and thick and smooth in the morning. And it's just some, something that they've done so much of their life that they they want to continue it. You know, so I've, I've made a version of that, you know, by taking a, B, a BED grain and blending, blending up the flour dry, like like millet, blend it dry in Vitamix and turn it into flour. And then mix that with a little water and heat it and cook it. But I only use a little bit because I want to keep the carbs low. So then I'll add some soaked, sprouted chia flax seeds, add it in warm. And then I'll add some, some coconut meat, okay? And then when all that's cooked and warmed up together, I put it back in the blender to blend the meat and the seeds down with that little bit of, of, of uh, millet flour. And now I can make a, a warm uh, cream of wheat style type of breakfast cereal. And then we put something on that's nice, you know? Yeah, another really good one is with the buckwheat. And I found it was even um, really nice whole, like because we're really used to like a whole oat here, <laughs> um, so that kind of has a similar. Buckwheat is the only the only grain that works good raw. You can soak and sprout the buckwheat all night. It, it's goopy when you strain it. Let that some of that goop come off and rinse it. You can put the buckwheat in a bowl. You can put some toppings on it, some spices, some little clumps of oil, um, uh, some you know a little cilantro chopped up or whatever. Mix it up and you can eat it. Straight raw soaked sprouted buckwheat because the the the, the buckwheat uh, grains are are large the the groats they're whole they're large chew them raw and you can feel it's a different texture eating it but I've done this backpacking when I go backpack light with no stove I bring buckwheat to soak bring some almonds to soak bring dried seaweeds to soak because they expand a lot get the water from the river filter it you know and and bring superfoods and herbs that i can eat along the way and i can pack light with no stove and get great nutrition and stay on my program but not eat dehydrated food so much dehydrated food or or those you know those those things they make when you go backpacking you buy in backpacking stores that are bags if you imagine spacemen eat yeah those scrambled eggs and bacon you know oh that's so nasty but dehydrated food will clog you up too it's not life food david jeb calls it life Make sure to tune in next week for part two of this conversation. And if you'd like to connect with Truth, we've put his details in the show notes. Thanks for joining us. If you're enjoying our show so far, make sure you hit subscribe so you don't miss an episode. And it means a lot to us if you leave a review on iTunes or Apple Podcasts, as well as share this with friends and family, which will help us get this crucial knowledge out there. If you'd like to connect with us, head on over to Instagram at LiveHolisticallyAU where you can learn more and ask us anything. See See you next time. time.